How about a little bit of a road trip for the show today? That's right. We're live in West Texas in Amarillo for the OU Coaches Caravan, and we are expecting a big-time turnout of West Texas ref listeners and OU fans tonight. It's going to be a very, very exciting night here in Amarillo. That's right, Parker. Uh, I loaded up from Oklahoma City a little before 9 a.m. today, and we're all set to greet Brent Venables, Jenny Baranchek, and... Porter Mosier will be on hand as well, as well as uh, Joe Castiglione and Toby Rowland. So I know that uh, you often are driving across the country, especially this region, when it comes to uh, recruiting. I'm sure you've stopped in uh, Amarillo a few times, what you saw Kobe McKenzie a few times last year. But Amarillo's ready to welcome the Sooners, man. It's a, it's a big night here. Yeah, how about it? Of course, Amarillo you know, is one of those Texas cities that is – Pretty densely populated in comparison with Sooners because, I, I don't know, I'm going to have to double-check my Maps app on this, Tyler, but Amarillo might actually be geographically further north than Norman. So it's almost <laughs> yeah. like an honorary <laughs> Oklahoma City. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun tell you what's going on in Amarillo throughout the next four hours. But, hey, big news of the day, and it was really from yesterday. How about that for OU? OU gets a commitment in the 2023 class. Caleb Spencer, six foot three, 200 pounds. Uh, but you also get Davis Bevel through the transfer portal. Seemingly, OU has found its backup quarterback. And Parker, the more that I've thought about Davis Bevel, the more that I like this addition via the transfer portal. I don't think that he is a you know future Heisman Trophy winner or anything like that. But you're looking for a backup option in case something were to happen to Dylan Gabriel. And the last time this guy played a football game, that's exactly what he did. He came in as a backup quarterback. He was 14 of 18, 149 yards, one touchdown, one interception, in a New Year's Six Bowl against a really good Michigan State team with a good defense. So seemingly, you found exactly what you were looking for, but I didn't expect him to find someone that's played this role in a bowl like the Peach Bowl. So the more that I think about it, the more that I look at this, the more that I like him as a as a backup option next year. Yeah, I mean, he fits. He fits arguably better than anybody else they could have brought in. You know, with Gary Bohannon, the concern was, okay, well, how is, is this guy going to be on board with a backup role? Is he going to be content to ride the bench, maybe see some package action, but otherwise sit behind Dylan Gabriel for a full season and not have to or and not have a chance to start until 2023? Well, with Davis Bevel, He's not coming in with any immediate expectation that he's going to be the starter. He's coming in as QB2, which is actually an upgrade over where he was at Pitt. He was QB3 there, yeah. and granted, you had a future first-round pick, and Kenny Pickett atop that depth chart, but still. It's an upgrade for Davis Bevel. He's got three years of eligibility left. He can be in competition to start at Oklahoma whenever Dylan Gabriel's time comes to make the jump to the NFL, but... He's not the type of guy that's going to seriously threaten Gabriel for the starting role. Gabriel's not going to be threatened by his presence. You do have confidence, though, that if worse comes to worst and Gabriel goes down, you can hand the reins to Bevel and you're not going to see a significant drop, drop off in the functionality of the offense because if you watch some of the plays that Davis Bevel made in the Peach Bowl in particular, he's got size, he's got mobility, he's got arm talent, he is by no means elite, but he is serviceable, and that's exactly what Oklahoma was looking for in their QB2. I think the best thing that could happen to Bevel this year is be just that, right? I mean, 
the backup quarterback play that role, play well when you're called upon, play very well in mop-up duty. You know, Parker, I I mean, we, we say it all the time, they've got their future kind of secured at quarterback with Nick Evers and then Jackson Arnold. But, man, if Dylan Gabriel were to leave after this year, he'd be in a competition with what's probably going to be a redshirt freshman in Nick Evers and then a true freshman in Jackson Arnold. I think his best chance, or at least what he's got to hope for at this point, if he wants to be a starter at OU, is for Dylan Gabriel to be a one-and-done guy. I think he has a much better chance to be a starter in, say, 2023 than he does if Gabriel stays two years. Nick Evers has two years in the system. Jackson Arnold has one, and then he's going against those guys. But if it's a wide-open quarterback battle in 2023 – um, it'll be interesting to see who wins out in that job. We're a long ways away from that, but all that to say, I think he's got to hope Gabriel's a one-and-done dude. Yeah, I'm with you, Tyler, because, look, Bevel doesn't have as much of an imminently ticking clock as Gary Bohannon did. Bohannon only had two years of eligibility remaining. Bevel has three. So he can wait one year, and then if he wins the job at OU, he has the opportunity to be a multi-year starter. If he waits two years, if it takes two years before Davis Bevel is in position to start at OU, then at that point he's got one year of eligibility left and you're probably looking to use it somewhere where you know with absolute certainty you're going to be the guy. So I would agree if it doesn't come together for Davis Bevel and he's not the starter at Oklahoma in 2023, I'd figure that by spring of 2024 he is on his way elsewhere. But – All things considered, this is a great fit for Oklahoma. There are no longer any worries about the quarterback position and about the depth there. You've got three scholarship guys in Evers, Bevel, and, of course, Dylan Gabriel. You've got a solid core walk-ons beyond them. And so for the first time in a minute, you're really confident that even if worse comes to worst at Oklahoma – You've got the depth at the position that you're going to be able to make do. Even last year when you had Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams, those were your only two scholarship quarterbacks. So yeah, uh, there is, there's quality depth here, and that should give Sooner fans a lot of reassurance, especially coming off a 2021 season in which Dylan Gabriel only played three games because of injury. You hope he can play the whole season without running into – issues and be able to stay on the field and not have to worry about turning to Davis Bevel. But if that scenario comes to fruition, there's a lot more reassurance now with what the Sooners have at quarterback than what they had 24 hours ago. Text line is asking how I'm enjoying the heat index of hundred degrees in Amarillo. Um, it is 94 degrees right now in Amarillo, a little bit windy out here in West Texas, but I got to say, it is not that bad. And after all the cold weather that we've been having this spring, I am uh, all about the 94 degrees uh, in Amarillo right now. Supposed to get up to 97. I might get caught in uh, some severe storms today, Parker, so pray Uh for me on that front, if you would, please. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, wait, are you uh, talking like you talking like monsoons? You talking windstorms? <laughs> you talking <laughs> West Texas <laughs> tornadoes? or All of the above. I think all of the above are in uh, play at this point. So, uh, text line, by the way, uh, give us your thoughts on this, 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. As the quarterback room sits today, how do you feel about it? Because you got you got Dylan Gabriel, who's as proven as really any quarterback in college football this year outside of what Alabama and Ohio State have. You now have D- Davis Bevel, who's played in a big-time bowl game against a good defense. 
You've got Nick Evers, a former four-star, and you've got about three other guys in the mix as well that, you, you know, you don't necessarily want to have to play. You don't want to get that far down the depth chart, but they've shown some nice things at times. So I, I, I don't know if you want to put a letter grade on it or what you want to do, but how should we feel going into summer about what OU has quarterback depth-wise, just as a whole? I think you feel really good. I think you feel really confident. And as we were saying, the only reason the only reason that fans would have a lack of confidence in this quarterback room, I would say that reason was taken off the table and alleviated with the commitment of Davis Bevel. Because if Dylan Gabriel were to go down, then you were looking at Nick Evers or a walk-on to fill the void. In Davis Bevel, you get a guy who's been there, done that, obviously not extensively, but he has taken snaps and thrown passes at the Power 5 level, and when you're talking about bringing in a guy to be QB2, that's about all you can ask for these days, Tyler. Yeah. Uh, text line says he could be the next uh, he could be the next Blake Bell and play, uh, play tight end. Jeez, if I could speak today. Worked out well for the belldozer. I mean, he is a big dude like Blake Bell. I, I don't I don't really see Davis Bevel factoring into the run game or factoring into another position. No. Um, I'm only judging off the numbers, Parker, but I think that you're going to see a very, very, very limited role for him in the run game uh, when he's a part of the offense. Yeah, listen, if you're looking for the belldozer, just put Jaron Kanick in the game. That's where I yeah. stand on it. Da- Davis Bevel's not that guy. He's not the belldozer. Uh, trust in the staff. That's one texter. This one says, Please, uh, people keep acting like Gabriel is injury prone. He broke his collarbone making a tackle with the Bev dozer. I feel like we have a really good quarterback room. Are people, I mean, he got injured last year, but I, I guess I don't really see the narrative or, or where that's coming from that Dylan Gabriel is injury prone. Is that out there and I'm just missing it? I think... <sighs> That narrative's probably out there. It's a shallow narrative, but obviously you're a little bit more concerned about a guy's propensity to miss time once he's already missed a substantial amount of time. Whether that's a fair perspective or not, if Dylan Gabriel hadn't missed the whole 2021 season, I feel like a lot of folks would care a lot less about whoever was QB2, but seeing as how he already missed a significant portion of a season due to injury – there are probably folks that are a little bit more wary than they otherwise would be. I think the quarterback room is solid. We should be able to rest knowing Dylan Gabriel has a solid backup. I just want to know if Tyler is all right after losing out on Bo Hammer. It's been a very (laughs) tough 48 hours for me personally. It's been very tough. Um, I appreciate everyone um, really just reaching out during my time of need, but clearly this has been the biggest setback for me this offseason. Football season is going to be awesome, but it would have been awesomer, Parker, if you had the Bohammers backup quarterback. Just so I could have done a victory lap in like week seven or week eight when it worked out, but I guess I won't have that opportunity now. Yeah, you know, oh, well. when he throws for 60 touchdowns at USF and goes to New York City for the Heisman ceremony, you can have your victory lap. Uh, one more. Tons of Sooners alum in and around Amarillo. My son went to Amarillo High. He has two degrees from OU plus a master's, and last week his Ph.D. from Indiana. Yeah, we're expecting a pretty nice turnout of uh, OU fans out here in West Texas. The OU Club of Amarillo already out here getting set up. So, yeah, we need to – text line, you can help us out with this as well. We need to compile a list of the best Sooners that have hailed from uh, West Texas. And I know that that's a pretty big area, 
but I'm thinking of some Austin English, thinking of Tanner Schaefer, Kobe McKenzie, Parker, who you uh, you probably went out to Lubbock a couple times and saw him. That is true. Yeah, watch him, and he was he was very impressive. Obviously, when you're talking about the quality of football in West Texas compared to DFW or Houston. It's not entirely an apples-to-apples comparison, but Kobe McKenzie definitely stood out. Tell you what, Tyler, uh, drive an hour, hour and a half southwest, and you'll end up in Muleshoe. (laughs) Yeah, I I thought about that on my drive today. Um, Anyone coming out to the event today, if you show me that you are from Muleshoe on your driver's license, um, I I mean, you're definitely going to get one of these Ref t-shirts, but we're going to have to hook you up with something else uh, as well, so... God bless you if you're from Muleshoe, but let me know when you walk into the uh, the event center tonight if you are or not. I, I bet that we have I bet we have at least one person from Muleshoe Parker, and I will be fascinated to hear what they have to say about old Muleshoe himself out on the West Coast. I'm going to guess it's not going to be very nice. Just a guess. Yeah. Just a feeling there. I I wonder how prevalent of an OU community there actually is in Muleshoe. I wonder – here's what I can see happening. I bet that there's a significant portion of the town of Muleshoe that's just Lincoln Riley fans. So they were all OU fans when he was at Oklahoma, but now that he's out at USC, they all have Trojan flags flying outside their houses. I don't know. Uh, maybe it is a USC town now. I hope not. I got to believe that eight, even they were like, really? That's the way that he went about it? That's the way that he did it? I don't know. Seems kind of weird to me. Hey, uh, keep keep the text coming on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Who's left in the transfer portal? What other play? Uh, what other addition might OU have in the portal? We'll talk about that next, as well as Kayla, Kayla Spencer who's the newest commit to the 2023 class. Keep it locked on the ref. We are the Homo Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We are the Homo Sooner fans. I'm an Amarillo for the show today, getting you ready for the OU Coaches Caravan. If you're a Sooner fan in Amarillo or West Texas, I know we've got some people coming from Boys City in the Panhandle. Walk in the door, show me you have the ref app on your phone, and I got some T-shirts to give away. It's that easy. But looking forward to meeting uh, many of our West Texas listeners tonight here in Amarillo. All right, so quarterback is done in the portal. You've got a couple wide receivers that have made their visits. Arizona State transfer, LV Bunkley-Shelton. Mizzou transfer, J.J. Hester. There is a lot of scuttlebutt right now, Parker, that the receiver is going to be J.J. Hester. Let's say that that drops today. Would that signify that OU is done in the portal uh, this offseason, or will they still be looking to add another receiver or a, another position, or are they just out of scholarships after this? Okay, first off, I have to ask, Tyler, did you say Boys City? Is that how, is that how it's pronounced? Boys City, yeah. Interesting. Boise City. Now, I don't know if that's how the locals say it, but that's how I've, underst- I, that's how I've understood it's pronounced, Boys City. Interesting. So, I would never have that guessed that. That's, that's a regional Okie pronunciation right there. And see, as a, uh, as like a non-Okie. It's not Alex. It's Ellick. So there's there's a few of those across the state. It's what now? There's a town spelled Alex, A-L-E-X. Okay. Um, it's pronounced Ellick. What on earth? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. I never. Um, I grew up around Ellick, so I know that. I don't know if that's known statewide that it's Ellick and not Alex. But yeah, that's one of the that's one of the tricky ones out there. It might be the trickiest one out there, as a matter of fact. 
that's on par. See, Texas has a whole bunch of them. I remember my my roommates in college were both from Texas, so they put me through the gauntlet of trying to pronounce different city and town names from across the state of Texas, and it's just bizarre. I I I wish I could remember some outstanding examples, uh, like like Bear B E X A R. That's one. Huh. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. There are a couple really, really good examples. I'll circle back around. I'm sure the Air Comfort Solutions text line will help us out. But, no, as far as the portal is concerned, I would expect that once Oklahoma adds their receiver, whether that is J.J. Hester or L.V. Punkley Shelton, and I am inclined to believe at this time that it's going to be J.J. Hester, I would expect that they will be done in the portal. That's going to be about it in terms of what Oklahoma attempts to pursue to fill out their roster, and we'd kind of been talking about it for almost almost two or three months now, Tyler. The fact that Oklahoma was going to look to add a quarterback, look to add a wide receiver, and that was probably about it. So they obviously get the quarterback in Davis Bevel. They're closing in on the receiver. Both of the visits between J.J. Hester and L.V. Bunkley Shelton, both of those players had outstanding visits. There's a lot of confidence in the OU camp regarding both of those kids, so I think it's going to be a matter of first come, first serve, and once the Sooners lock down their wide out, I think that's going to be all. Yeah, as do I, and uh, I would expect that news to happen um, pretty quickly on, on the news of uh, one of these wide receivers, and I'm with you. I think it's going to be J.J. Hester, Booker T. product uh, from Mizzou. Kayla Spencer, though, yesterday. Haven't talked about it just yet. I like this. For no other reason, Parker – that he's six foot three, two hundred pounds. He is long. He is rangy. He is exactly what they're looking for in a secondary player. Now, maybe he plays safety. Uh, maybe he plays. Uh, why am I blanking on the new position that they have here? God, we talked about it yesterday. The cheetah position. Maybe he eventually plays that. But the the point is that six foot three, two hundred, and, and having some speed. You know, you're not just locked into one position when you roll in here. He could probably play a variety of positions on this defense. I would expect that he's going to come down and play a linebacker. I think he's got that type of frame and that type of skill set that's going to be more conducive to linebacker than to safety in the long term. So is he an outside linebacker? Is he a cheetah? I don't know exactly, uh, but the versatility is encouraging. The raw athleticism it's, is what's super tantalizing about this kid. And I do think there's a very good chance he picks up his fourth star by the end of the cycle. Was he the silent commit after the spring game? Yes. Yes, he was. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Hale's from the state of Virginia, so Parker thinks that he might pick up that fourth star. Um, regardless, it looks like he's a, looks like he's a pretty good football player. You know, someone was making the joke yesterday on the text line after uh, Davis Bevel commits to OU saying, wait, so this obviously means that OU's now in the Jordan Addison sweepstakes, which it did have me laughing. It did have me thinking, though, that the portal's going off right now. Um, Gary Bohannon has announced. Uh, several other players have announced now. I don't. I guess I don't feel like anything is super imminent with Jordan Addison, but the fact that he is working out on the West Coast I still believe it to be USC. We might hear rumors of Texas. We might hear rumors of Alabama. But I, I'm still led to believe, Parker, that it's going to be USC for Jordan Addison, which is going to make everyone roll their eyes across the country. I, I don't see how it's not USC. In the end, if it's not USC, I will be astonished. 
because with the way that reporting all happened even before Jordan Addison hit the portal, and I, I've talked to a few people that are close to the situation, and look, it, he got in the portal to go to USC. Sure he did. If he, if he doesn't end up at USC, then Muleshoe choked that one away because he got in the portal to go to USC. Yeah, I yeah, he didn't just hop in the portal and say, All right, where are my options? Oh, Alabama's interested, cool. Oh, Texas is interested too, and USC. Dang, I I didn't know who was gonna be interested. All right. I, I read a story about this what last week, and normally how it goes, not all the time, but when you're talking about big time prospects entering into the portal, most of the time, Parker, from what I read, is that they don't necessarily have direct communications with the player. Sometimes it's funneled through the ex-high school coach or whatever. But when they enter into the portal, they already know where they're going. And in most cases, it's probably already agreed upon where they're going to go. Exactly. Now, I'm sure, I'm sure this could be very similar to the Caleb Williams situation, and they're going to wait it out and let it die down a little bit, then he's going to pick USC. But I'm with you, regardless of the timeline, if it's today or in two weeks, whenever, Jordan Addison will be suiting up for the SC Trojans. Well, next year. and here's the difference between the Caleb Williams situation and the Jordan Addison situation. Caleb Williams hit the transfer portal as soon as his season was over. If Jordan Addison were getting in the portal just for the sake of getting in the portal, if he had decided that he was going to up and leave Pitt and he wanted to find greener pastures, why didn't he do it in January? Why did yeah. he wait until literally the day of the transfer portal deadline? To put his name in. If he was sold on leaving Pitt, he would have left Pitt long before he did. So when you see a kid like that who won the Boletnikoff Award in 2021, when you see him jump in the portal right at the deadline like that, that is a surefire indication that he has a very specific reason for entering the transfer portal. He knows where he's going to end up. And, and so again, again he's, already in, he's yeah. already in California. I don't know how it's not USC. Yeah, I mean, he may be working out with Bryce Young, who is the quarterback at Alabama, but the dude's already in California. It's not like he's from California. He's playing at Pitts, and I believe he's from the Northeast as well. So, yeah, he's already out there. Of course he's he's going to play at USC. Hey, uh, some text real quick. This one says, Parker, any news on Kelby Collins? He dropped OU in his top five. Yeah, that was interesting. And there, there are a slew of defensive linemen out there that you're going to see OU crack the top schools list for, or that they've already cracked the top schools list for. Talk about Peter Woods and Vic Burley in that same conversation. So, look, there are only going to be so many spots to go around, but the fact that Kelby Collins put Oklahoma in his top five would lead you to believe that Oklahoma's going to get an official visit at some point in time. So, Throw him on the pile with the likes of David Hicks and Joel Starlings and Caden McDonald and maybe a guy like Peter Woods as possibilities for Oklahoma. Derek LeBlanc as well as possibilities in terms of interior defensive linemen in the 2023 class. So uh, I'm not getting my hopes up on help on Kelby Collins yet, and I don't think Sooner fans should be there quite yet until they get a better sense of how things are going to shake out with the likes of Hicks and LeBlanc and McDonald and the guys that are very ostensibly favoring Oklahoma. But we'll see how it transpires. Uh, by the way, uh, this this text via the Air Comfort Solutions text line would love to dive into this. Seems like Muleshoe picks up the pit receiver, that being Jordan Addison, and Cody Jackson 
He's loading up on a lot of skill position players. It feels like Brent Venables recruiting doesn't really put priority on elite yes. skill position players. Yes. What 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 do well, you think, Tyler? Give me your thoughts on that. Well, I, I was actually laughing at the whole, you know, he was tampering with players. And I made the joke, I think, with you last week is, of course, leave it to old Muleshoe to not tamper with a, an elite defensive lineman or a great linebacker or an elite left tackle. Leave it to old Muleshoe to be tampering with wide receivers somewhere, Those the, the flashy positions again. Um, so I, I think BV does put priority on elite skill pl- players, yeah. But I think Britt Vittables puts more priority on the defensive line players, the linebacker players, you know, players like that. I think he's going to build a team more from the inside out. But also, Parker, I think that with his recruiting prowess, he's going to be more able to do that compared to, to Muleshoe build a, a team uh, inside out. Muleshoe wants to build his outside in with quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, all that. Yeah, and here's the difference between Muleshoe and Brent Venables. Brent Venables has won two national championships in the last decade. Muleshoe hasn't. So clearly the outside or clearly the inside out approach has traditionally been more effective than the outside in approach. And I'll, I'll use Alabama as a perfect example. Ten years ago, Tyler, there were not elite skill position players flocking to Alabama. But guess what? Once they built that championship culture and once they developed a consistent winning reputation around what they were doing up front in the trenches, then you started to see guys like Jamison Williams and Devontae Smith and I'm trying to think who else. Jalen Waddle, Henry Ruggs. Then you started to see those guys take harder looks at Alabama. So in time, if that's what you're looking for, it's going to come. It's going to yeah, come at Oklahoma, but it's far more paramount at this point in time that Brent Venables releases, recruits elite offensive linemen and elite defensive linemen. One more before we hit a break. Any special packages for Micah Bowens? I would like to see what he could do with his feet in the open field. I, I No, I, I highly doubt it. I, I thought that there might be a chance for Gary Bohannon to be the backup quarterback. I thought it was that that was going to have to be more of a pitch, like, hey, we know you're not going to be the starter, but we'll get you involved with the offense. In terms of who's on roster right now, Parker, I, I, don't, I don't think that we're going to see any special packages for a backup quarterback. They're going to want to run the football, whether it's short yardage, goal line. Um, maybe that's Devontae Barnes. Maybe it's Eric Gray, but I think that that's how they're going to handle those situations, not with a – with the backup QB. Yep, 100% agree and love this observation from the text line as we hit a break. Muleshoe is building a 7-on-7 roster. Brent is building yes. a football team. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yes. And uh, anyone want to take a guess? It's, you know, what breeds national championships a little bit better? Yeah, I think it's the uh, Brent Venable style as well. Keep the text coming on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Don't forget Bob Stoops coming up next hour at 320. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the home of Sooner fans. Live in Amarillo today for the OU Coaches Caravan. It is locked in with McComas and Thune here on the ref. We're the home of Sooner fans. Elite Roofing Systems bring you this hour of locked in. They're servicing all of Oklahoma's roofing needs. Free quotes. They're insured with affordable pricing. Give them a call at Oklahoma City, 405-361-3094. Tulsa, 918-984-984. 5475 Elite Roofing Systems bringing you this hour of Locked In. Check them out, EliteRoofing.com. Uh, big Cruton news last night for the Ohio State Buckeyes. 
They get a commit from five-star quarterback Dylan Riola. He is a 2024 quarterback, a Nebraska legacy. Yikes, Parker. Is there a somber mood in Lincoln today after the Huskers miss out on a five-star quarterback or his daddy played for the Huskers? Well, it it was a pipe dream from the get-go. It really was. Because Lord knows Nebraska is not a program that's in any sort of position to land a kid like Dylan Riola. And obviously you have the legacy factor, but if the legacy program sucks, then a kid who's the number one (laughs) overall player in the 2024 cycle is not going to give them a second look. So it was, it was a fun fantasy while it lasted for Cornhusker fans, but the expectation was always going to be that Riola would go wherever offered him the best development at the quarterback position. And I will say, I would I would imagine Muleshoe is a little stung by this one because historically that dude hasn't missed on many quarterbacks. But Riola was his guy in the 2024 class, and there was a time where he was ostensibly favoring USC. There were a couple crystal ball predictions uh, that favored the Trojans as well in Riola's recruitment. But Ryan Day, man, he worked quickly. He worked effectively to get Dylan Riola on board with the Buckeyes. There is a thought that he may ultimately reclassify into the class of 2023, which if that happens, I think he's much like Quinn Ewers. Well, I shouldn't. I I, know I'm going to not make the Quinn Ewers comparison because there's not a comparison there. Uh, Only that they're going to reclassify. But if Riola were to reclassify, He's going to be immediately ready to compete for a starting job there. I don't think he's going to get lost on the depth chart the way that Ewers did at Ohio State because I've watched Dylan Riola in person one time, and very rarely, Tyler, have I been able to watch a high school prospect and say within 10, 15 minutes, goodness gracious, I'm looking at an NFL franchise guy somewhere down the line. But that's the type of talent that Dylan Riola is – Accuracy, size, smarts, arm strength, he is the complete package, and he is going to be a superstar both at the collegiate level and I would say at the professional level as well. There's a reason he is the number one prospect in the class of 2024. Yeah, well, he's got the bloodline. Uh, his dad played in the NFL for quite some time. I think Te- I think Teddy may have played with his dad, Dominic. Yes, in, in Detroit. Detroit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, all right, big-time commit there for Ohio State. Um He had a five-star quarterback a couple of years ago in Quinn Ewers, and he's playing somewhere else. But I kind of feel like this one's going to stick, and he's going to end up being a uh, pretty big-time player. Yes, he will. For Uh, uh, for the Buckeyes. And that's the other thing that's fortunate for Ohio State about locking down a kid like Dylan Raiola is the reality that he's not going to be bought with NIL dollars because dad made plenty of money in the NFL over his 14 seasons. So the family is by no means strapped for cash. They're going to make the decision – that is best for Dylan, and Dylan himself is a very, very mature kid with a very level head. Uh, He's been phenomenal in the few instances I've had to interact with him, and that is a guy that can be a legitimate cornerstone for Ohio State and could be hoisting a national championship trophy one day. Text line, Air Coverage Solutions text line, I'm a Husker fan. I never expected him to go to Nebraska. Some of us know we suck. (laughs) Hey, speaking of Nebraska, by the way, uh, Blaine DM'd me some early uh, season spreads. I don't know if uh, you've seen this or not, Parker, if you and Mike talk about it, but the early line is out on OU Nebraska. 
Well, why don't you take a guess as to what the early line is on the Sooners and Huskers in Lincoln in Week 3? I'm going to say the Sooners are a touchdown favorite. I, You know what? And if I would have guessed, I probably would have said, uh, I'll go with 6.5-7. Nebraska lost nine games last year by single digits. OU just a three-and-a-half-point favorite right now on the early line against what? the Huskers. Woo! What? A little bit smaller hammer than the, I thought it was Hammer be. the spread in favor of I, Oklahoma. I mean, if I were to pick a side right now, I would definitely take OU minus three-and-a-half. But I, I do think it's going to be a very close football game. Again, Nebraska lost nine games last year, did not lose any of them by double digits. So... They're just going right in line of, well, we think Nebraska's going to lose, and we think it's going to be by single digits, but three and a half, man, that's that's smaller than I thought. Oh, we have a text from Doug the Contrarian, Tyler. We have to get to this. I did see um, this. You guys keep referring to a potential recruit, quote-unquote, getting a fourth star, etc., and increasing his recruiting value. Please explain how any recruit can gain additional stars in the offseason when no high school games are being played. I can't believe that stars are added based on non-contact seven-on-seven camps. And film study from a season that finished months ago is already the basis for whatever rating a recruit may have. Is a potential increase in stars based on how many schools or the quality of schools that are recruiting an individual? Well, to answer that last question there, Doug, no. And oftentimes, yes, seven-on-sevens can have some influence on a recruit's rating, but... What oftentimes has more of an influence is the elite camps, the Under Armour camps, where you're going up in one-on-one drills against other elite prospects from around the region. Because on any given Friday, if you're if you're an elite football player, if you are a top-of-the-line prospect, a blue chipper or close to it, you're going up against kids that can't hold a candle to you physically. But in a camp environment especially in a select camp environment that's invitation only, you are going up against players that are of the same caliber as you. So competing against that type of talent will oftentimes give evaluators and coaches and recruiting analysts a much better sense of how you're going to be able to transition from the high school game to the collegiate game because no longer are you the big fish in the little pond. You're just another fish in the pond. Yeah, yeah. well said. Someone on the text line thinks that OU is going to win 38-17 over Nebraska. Whoa! Um, I mean, I'm down for it. I just I don't see OU rolling up there and winning by three touchdowns. I would guess, Parker, if I had to put a score on it today, I will say OU wins the game. I'm trying to think of a final score by, like, eight. I think OU wins by single digits. I think they win it by eight. Maybe Nebraska gets a late touchdown or a late field goal to cut it to single digits. But I'm thinking somewhere in the neighborhood of, like, I don't know, 28 to 20. Yeah. But, that's... I don't know. Nebraska scoring 20 points, I, 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 a lot has to be proven to me on, on their offense because I do think OU's defense will be improved. And it will be. And I think that's going to be a tightly contested game. I would say – I'll. I'll put it at 10 points. I think the Sooners barely sneak out of there with a double-digit victory because that's the type of game where I figure OU is already up, mounts a late drive to extend the lead, and it'll it'll feel like a contest throughout, but I think Oklahoma's going to have a comfortable cushion all the way such that you never really doubt that they're going to end up on top. Dang, text line is all about it today. 35-14, going to win up in Lincoln. Okay, 
Hey, I don't, I don't hate it, guys. I don't hate it. Just very aggressive today on this Tuesday, but uh, keep it up. By the way, the Bama-Texas line, week two in Austin, Alabama minus 14 and a half. Yikes. Yikes, Horns. And it's probably not Yikes. even going to be that close, Tyler. Uh, I think Alabama's going to be scoring a lot of points on that uh, Saturday night against that Texas defense. So, yeah, I'll probably take the 14 and a half in Alabama in that one. All right, final segment of Locked In is coming up next. Keep the text coming. We'll get to as many as we can on the other side. 405-651-3439. Keep it locked on the ref. Final segment of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Live on the ref, we're the home of Sooner fans in Amarillo today for the OU Coaches Caravan. Can't wait to see all of our West Texas Sooners. Remember, if you're coming to the OU Coaches Caravan tonight, I'm like right by the front door. So stop by, say hi, show me proof that you have the ref app on your phone. And I'm going to give you a free T-shirt. If you don't have the app, it's simple. Go to the App Store, search K-R-E-F. You can listen to us wherever you're at on the go. Air Comfort Solutions text line, Parker, it says, you're going to want to bet overs on many of the game totals for Texas this year. That's probably right. Um, They're probably coming off the worst defense in school history last year. But Texas actually has a chance to have a pretty good offense this year. Yeah, they do. And I think we're kidding ourselves if we don't at least acknowledge that. There's a ton of skill position talent. It's kind of reminiscent of a mule shoe team in that sense. <laughs> yeah. Quarterback with a lot of hype. offensive power really? in uh, 17 or 18. They won't have an offense like that. Yeah, well, naturally. But got four really good receivers at the very least. Got a solid tight end, an excellent running back, and a quarterback with a lot of hype. Now the question becomes, can you protect him? Let's see, Nebraska game will be a field goal fest. Sooners win 9-6. to six. I think that was the final score the last time OU was in Lincoln, right? No 9? Didn't they lose 9-6? to six? Uh, No, they lost 10-3. to 10-3? Okay, I knew it was a low-scoring yes, game. Yes, Tressway missed three field touchdowns. goals, and Landry Jones threw five interceptions. 35-14 OU, getting more of those. Uh, OU 28, Nebraska 20, so we're getting all of our uh, early season OU Nebraska takes in here. Jimmy and Tulsa asked a good question. He says, boys, with uh, Venable's first season here, what would OU have to accomplish for it to be a great season and leave fans happy? Big 12 title? Yep. I don't know about you, Parker, but I think Big 12 title is kind of the baseline for expectations this certainly, year. Certainly a Big 12 title. That is a success in year one. That is a massive success in year one, if you can pull that off. I think that that should be the expectation from the fan base. Um you didn't have the best – well, you may have had the best team last year. I guess we'll never know. But technically, you didn't have the best team in the conference last year, but you still had the best program. For as many times you've won this conference, Baylor is not all of a sudden the best program in the conference. Oklahoma State is not all of a sudden the best program in the conference. OU is still the best program in the conference, and a lot's going to have to happen for that not to be the case anymore. So with that being said, I think they have the best roster. I think they might have the best coaching staff and they're the best program. What am I missing here? You I, you should expect a Big 12 championship next year. Not that it's going to be super easy and just a layup, but that's that's my expectation. I'd tell you that's Britt Vittable's expectation for next year. I mean, look, that should be the expectation for this team because you look at the talent that they are bringing back or bringing in for that matter. This is going to be the most talented team on both sides of the ball in the Big 12. In an overall sense, Oklahoma, at least on paper, 
has the best roster in the conference. And when you have the best roster, there are two ways that things can go askew. One would be you get bit by the injury bug, which I guess is within the realm of possibility. But more commonly what happens is the coaching is not on par with the talent that you have on the roster. And so when you don't have excellent coaching, then that can turn and Texas, there's no better example than Texas. If you don't have good co- coaching and good culture, that can turn sour what would otherwise be a very successful football team. So I don't doubt that Brent Venables and this staff are going to be able to coach these guys up to a point that they're going to win double-digit games. They'll be playing in Arlington the first week of December. And right now, I would favor them to win the Big 12. By the way, before we get out of here, uh, the big smoke screen of the day, Jordan Addison, pit transfer wide receiver, is on an official visit to Texas. So... And that is the smoke screen. That's the tease of the day. Jordan Addison going to end up at USC. Don't worry about that one. He's not going to be in Austin. All right, that'll do it for Parker. The Rush coming up next. we got Bob Stoops joining us at 320. Be sure to tune in for that. More to come right here on the Homeless Sooner Fans.